You know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. It is time for us. We are Those Weekend Golf Guys. I am John Ashton in the studio in a very cold and chilly Louisville, Kentucky. He is Jeff Smith, and he is in the uh, indoor climate-controlled studio at Timbergate Golf Course in Edinburgh, Indiana. We're outside. It's probably about 38 degrees in uh, and 45 mile-an-hour wind. <laughs> <laughs> and windy and windy and windy. And uh, but you know just, what? You're, There's a you're, thermostat on the wall here. Yep. You're comfortable. Set 72 degrees, baby. That's what we would do, man. Just uh, want a, a real quick shout out to uh, to our friends and, and listeners in, uh, in the South, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee. Had some bad, uh, some bad weather uh, earlier in the week. So hope everything is okay with y'all. And if not, uh, yep. You know, our thoughts and prayers. I hate I hate saying that because it it doesn't mean anything, but it's sometimes the most we can do when we're this far away. So, right. but there are relief efforts going on for some of the uh, most affected people. So participate, okay? Participate yep. in that. Help them out. We are going to have one of Jeff's top instructor buddies, um, who does a lot of videos that are fun to watch because a they are very very. Uh, uh, educational they're entertaining and she's fun to look at that's right a you know sexist would top, say one top in the country <laughs> is yeah. sarah stone she, she's been with us and she will be returning today with uh sharing some of her expertise uh in in golf instruction and coaching you know there's there's some stuff that she's done online that people should go take a look at because her manner of bringing it to your attention will hit you in a different way. And it is better than most. Yeah. I can guarantee you that it's better than most. When you have, let's say, let's say you're, you're, you know, the amateur golfer who's 40 years old. Plus you've gone to more than one instructor over the course of your golf career. And you haven't gotten a whole lot better when you find the one who can sit there and say something and suddenly the light goes off and you go, that's what it means. Or that's how to do it. And suddenly you get substantially better. It's it's marvelous. And and it happens when you talk to the people of the caliber of a Jeff Smith or a Sarah Stone, which we will do when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hang out with us. You know what it's like. You get to about the 15th, 16th hole, and man, you're tired. Your swing isn't quite as forceful. That contact is nowhere near as crisp. You have lost your energy. That's why guys who play professionally carry energy bars and drinks and things in their bag. We have one for you to try. It's brand new product. It's called Hole in One Bars, and Hole is spelled W-H-O-L-E. And they are taking strokes off everyone's game. Hole-in-one bars from Brickhouse Nutrition were formulated by a doctor to boost healthy, stable 18-hole energy. No jitters and no crash. More importantly, they sharpen your focus and they shave strokes off your game. You can take the Hole-in-one bars challenge. That's Hole, W-H-O-L-E. Switch from your energy bar or drink to Hole-in-one bars and see improvement in your game instantly. 
Let's get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit holeinonebar.com. That's W-H-O-L-E-I-N-O-N-E-B-A-R.com. Promo code is weekend. Holeinonebar.com. Promo code weekend. There are two flavors you can choose from. Vanilla, honey, almond, which is delicious. And then the chocolate berry. I mean, need I say more? Chocolate. And these will not melt. These will not fall apart. These will not disintegrate. Holeinonebar.com. Promo code weekend. And thanks for hanging and coming back. We are, of course, those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton. It's Jeff Smith. Our guest, Sarah Stone, has arrived and is here and is spending some time with us prior to uh, hustling her buns up to the lesson tee a little later on this morning. As we mentioned, Sarah Stone, friend of the show. We've had her on a couple times before. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sarah, (laughs) welcome back. Thanks for coming. Uh, Just a reminder to everybody who she is. She is a fabulous teacher. She has taught in wonderful places, Bears Club down in South Florida and Westchester up in the up in the New York area where all the all the highfalutin people are. Now she's at Chevy Chase Country Club in Maryland, and she is out there working it to death. I saw Sarah just recently, a couple weeks back, uh, at the Golf Magazine Top 100 Teacher Summit. Sarah, it was great getting to spend time with you there. What were your big takeaways for, as a teacher? What were your big takeaways from that thing that we were at? Oh, well, first, John and Jeff, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to uh, take a little bit of my day and hang out with you guys. I think the biggest takeaway I got that was kind of the theme that was being discussed was like golf instruction is becoming, at least in our community, less of an argument, I think, because of um, there's so much more research and measure measuring devices out there that those kind of conversations that we might have had five or six or even eight years ago where we'd argue with Jeff about whether or not the shaft needed to be parallel at um, in line with the target on the takeaway or if across the line was a bad place to be and and now we're seeing more of like a functional movement pattern. So that's what I observe. Way less arguing going on. Yeah, I know. Facts are those pesky things that just keep popping up, right? It gets people to go, oh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that thing is right. Remember that that big battle that there was online, uh, you know, some of those forums, you know, a few years back. John, we didn't involve you in some of those things, but we would sit back and we would watch the verbal punching going on no, no, this is me. I say it's this way. And the other guy says it's that way. And what they find out is they were looking at it from two different viewpoints and they were both so stuck in how they wanted to see it is that they couldn't realize they're saying pretty much the same thing, but they just looked at it differently. And they were just, they wanted to be punching each other all the time. Like for people who are totally in, 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 in the know of the golfing coaching community, I would say it's very much like religion, like arguing over, what they believe structure is John and like who thinks who is in charge and where you go and you die. And it's, it's like, you're, you're all kind of going to the same place, but it's all different routes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really pretty interesting. You know, it's, it's funny as we listen to things, we hear these pieces of evidence that are out there. Now all of a sudden it's more becoming about, Hey, let's explore this aspect of it. And here's how we deliver that message. And that is really good because now we can see, Sarah and I can see that this, what once was a fractured community of, of 
top instructors is now becoming a lot more cohesive because they're understanding that they're not going to say anything that's out there that's new at all. They're going to have it repackaged and they're going to figure out the, what's another good way of presenting that information. Now, all of a sudden, it's getting more creative instead of just fighting each other. It's great. You know, and for, for, from the consumer standpoint here, okay, um, it makes it easier for us because if you guys suddenly get all on the same page, who we choose as a coach slash teacher becomes less important. I mean, we can, we can deal from basically just a pure personality mesh than have to worry about whether we're being taught something that's wrong, not wrong, but something that doesn't work for us or that, that is something that, that isn't accepted in the community or whatever, you know, it makes it easier all around, I think. Yeah. I think that we've all kind of understood Sarah and I've been down this road as, as fellow coaches uh, down this road for a long time. We may say something to you, John, that makes it work, which makes it effective, which makes it right at the moment for you. Mm-hmm. But that piece of information given to anybody else at any other given time might be the biggest, lousiest thing we could possibly have done. <laughs> so what we're, we're mm-hmm. understanding is that as teachers, we know that, as, as you know, John, my favorite sentence here is it depends, right? Right. But all we're looking for is more great ways of getting it right for you at that moment. Mm-hmm. Because it might work for you and it might be a big, important thing for you. But Sarah goes about it in a much more creative way. She's way better at that than I am. She's got a whole different mind than I do. I've seen some of the videos that she's put out and I've seen some of the stuff that she's done for golf magazine and it's awesome. And it never once jumped into my head that I would present it in the way that she did. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thanks Jeff. That's really nice of you to say. (laughs) Well, I mean, I look at every teacher just like you do. We're all trying to make ourselves better and we're all trying to figure this out. And, And what you have done so far that I've actually had to see makes me one of those things. I keep telling you, we got to get together and teach because I want to see what you're doing. I want to see how you go about it. You want to see how I go about it. We want to have some fun. So um, every year I kind of grab a quote to kind of do my coaching off of. And the one I found is a Bruce Lee one. And John, you might like this too, because it applies to life. It's use only which only, only use only that which works and then take it from any place you can find it. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> And I thought that was a really good way to approach how you work with your students. It's like, find what works and try to take it from anywhere. If it's Mike Adams, if it's Jeff Smith, if it's Stack and Tilt, if it's Dana Dalquist, uh, Mac O'Grady, any of those different styles. It's like, find it and then use it for John or find it and use something different for Jeff. I just thought it was kind of a cool quote. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Strong work. Yeah, or, or or take it from Saturday Night Live since you're a Chevy Chase. I mean, that would make perfect sense. <laughs> Look, I understand the guy's got a big head, but I don't think it's as big as the state of Maryland. You know what? He, uh, it's so funny. People think that this club has been around since like 1740-something. It's not, it's not Chevy's. I don't even know if he's ever been here. <laughs> <laughs> I could see him going and standing in front of the the sign out front and getting his picture taken 
<laughs> I, I have heard though that he got his name, his stage name, because Chevy Chase isn't his real name, that he got it from here. But yeah, I don't know if there's any truth to that, John. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine. It's, uh, <laughs> Sarah, easy, tell me a little bit. It. You go to, I don't know, quite possibly even more education seminars than I do, which I think is pretty hard to do, but I think you actually do it. Not You're sure. going to one coming up next week. You're going to one of my favorite people. You're going to the putting guru himself, Correct. Mr. David Orr. That guy might be the most entertaining putting coach I've ever seen. <laughs> he could be one of the most entertaining people in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on inside of that guy's mind that I had not ever considered. And well, we're we're pretty lucky he gets to organize it and then he shares it with us coaches so we can share yeah, no it with kidding. people like John to make them better for sure. No kidding. I always thought about getting him on the show, but I'm not sure if John wants to do how much editing John really wants to have to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's stuff that he says that's just so dang funny. You want to leave it in, but you probably can't. <laughs> Are we talking a lack of filters? A little bit. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, Maybe like, like no filter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he's great because he presents things in, in a putting style in, in such a common sense way. And he hits people over the head with a baseball bat full of common sense information. You're like, yeah, okay. Uh, I guess I'll do it that way because why wouldn't I? You hate, you I was, hate to have to face common sense, man. You hate to have to do I want to ask him a little bit, Sarah, you know, I, I talking to you a little bit about putting grips and how I'll put them on a club. Cause I'm a fan of a round putting grip too, because I want to make sure that when a, a golfer puts their hands on that their arms somewhat stay oriented to their natural arm hang. So we don't twist and, and push and pull and rotate the face of the putter much. And we're going to get into great detail about that a little bit later, and we're going to do it with video too. So if, if you're listening now, you may want to just jot down. We'll tell you how to, you can watch a YouTube video because I'm just going to explain it uh, just a little bit. We've got to take a quick break now. We are those weekend golf guys, so hang out. We'll be right back. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golf guys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us, facebook.com slash golf guys. You know, an awful lot of golf courses stayed open during the whole COVID thing. But it's not just golf courses. A lot of businesses worked hard to stay open. And if you're one of those companies that stayed open during COVID, I have some great news for you. Government funds are available to reward companies who stayed open during that challenging time. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. Your hard work to stay open could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. You heard that right. Up to $26,000 per employee. This program is complicated, but nobody knows more about it than the tax experts at refundsasap.com. You pay nothing up front. They do all the work. Then they share a percentage of the cash they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans. If you have five or more employees, let refundsasap.com help you get up to $26,000 per employee. Visit refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. Refundsasap.com.
And thanks for coming back. We are those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. I'm in the studio. He's at uh, Timbergate Golf Course, Edinburgh, Indiana. And over in Chevy Chase, Maryland, is Sarah Stone, one of Jeff's teaching buddies, coaching buddies. Which which term do you prefer, Sarah? Teacher, coach? I like guru, coach. Coach, okay. Yeah. Although you're floating towards guru. I mean, that's probably <laughs> the top of the mountain there. <laughs> no, there's already one in our industry, right? He's a buddy of ours. Yeah. You know, Jason, Jason Sutton. We we like Jason a lot. He's a great dude. But he's uh, he's got the title, golf guru, right? It's a, <laughs> it's a marketing thing. But he's mm-hmm. he's good. He's really really good. So anyway. does he wear like flowing robes and have a long beard now? Because that's that's no. what your picture. Okay. Mm. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, maybe. Have to dress the part. Just the guy up soon. that's just a regular, normal looking, good looking <laughs> dude, right? See, Jeff, you could go with Dalai Lama of golf and do that. What John's suggesting? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm that peaceful or not. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd have to tone it down a little bit. It's funny. It's funny how to do that. How titles like that are are usurped in the golf business because you got the Pope a slope and there you go. Yeah, yeah, the Pope a slope. We had him on the show. Yes, we have multiple times. The the guy from the USGA back in the day, Sarah. Yep. The guy who created the uh, the slope system that we use in handicap. We had him on the show. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. And he was, you know, you'd think a guy that created the the slope system would be, you know, like boring. And just all about math. Nah, this guy was good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. He was funny. He can actually hold yeah. a conversation. You know, and and, yeah, and when he did fun. explain the slope system, he explained it so even Jeff could understand it. I know. It was <laughs> amazing. We had to ask Sarah, we had to ask him when he was coming on the show. I'm like, okay, Dean, treat me like I'm a four-year-old. Okay. Dumb it down for us all. <laughs> and he could do it. It was great. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we have to do that as coaches and teachers, right? Yeah, we, we have do. to say, okay, who's in front of us, right? <laughs> You're great at this. I've seen you adapt your manner of speaking to whoever, who's ever in front of you. I've watched this in just conversations. You are like the maestro of figuring out who you're talking to and how you're going to say it. How do you do that? I'm sure it's 20 years of working in private clubs. <laughs> <laughs> And being very middle all the time. (laughs) But thank you for the compliment. That's very nice of you to say. Well, you know, I just, I'm around you enough to, to, I'm aware of things, right? And good communicators are out there. And there's a handful of great communicators and you're up there with those people. Because I, I watch who you talk to, how you say things. And I watch how you listen to what's going on and adapt to the conversation. It's amazing. So that that makes me realize how you coach and how you teach people. You're figuring out how to get to them real fast. What do you think um, has been the greatest help to you in doing that? I would say probably watching other teachers teach, not just in golf, but um, in other arenas, maybe even school teachers. Um, I would also say a lot of the reading that I do. I think everything I've been told by good teachers or observed is they're very, very good communicators. So I figured that was a skill set I should probably work on developing <clears throat> to be able to Have connect you been that way them. for a long time. Cause you know, I've known you for a decade and I've always thought that. So has that been something that has been that you think you've worked on a long, long time ago, or do you think that that's. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess maybe being the oldest child. 
Um, and um, I, I mean, I went, I got a marketing degree and I kind of really enjoyed going through the public speaking and, and the engagement of that. So, you know, I don't, I don't know where it came from. It could have just been something that genetically my mom and dad would be pretty excited to tell you that they gave me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could jump in here because uh, I've been educationally through the, the, this same thing. Although I am so old that my communications degree, now they get a BA in communications. When I got one, it was a BS in communication, which I think is very apropos. For oh, I think it is too. Degree. Yeah. But anyhow, the affinity. I think you got a doctorate in the BS. <laughs> the affinity that would draw you to doing this for a living assumes that you have the talents necessary to do it. So you probably have an innate innate ability to communicate, which drew you into this field to begin with. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would agree. My mom was a, is a was a music teacher, so I probably got a little bit from her. But you know, I I would also say like I used to listen to people talk about how they give the same lesson every week. Like John comes to see me and every week it's the same lesson and I'm so frustrated. And I was like, well, I kind of refuse to accept that as a possibility. There's got to be a different way to explain it to John so that he could get it. And then I'm not frustrated and John's not frustrated. And, you know, a lot of the communication style is born out of how, and this might sound selfish, but how am I not going to be frustrated for this hour that I'm with John? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, early in my teaching and coaching career, I had some of those moments because I didn't have enough tools. And with what you just said, Sarah, how am I going to develop a different and yet better way of getting John to get this? He hasn't yet, but he's still working on it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So so I have found like, let's say I'm working with John. Um, I used to think that the only way to get through to him was with a jackhammer um, in, into his head. And now I found out it's really food. You know, <laughs> you soften him up with food mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we're all okay. He's, he's, his mind is wide open when he's got some food. That's it. Yeah. yeah. No, I, realistically, though, we all figure this out. And I feel like today um, I don't have those times where I know somebody's not going to get it because. I've found a different way so that they can. And they all walk out with something that they've got a, a good takeaway. That's actually, that's actionable. They can actually perform. Um, you know, I, I know that you have a zillion of those too, because I've heard some and they came out of you. Like, like it was just nothing like it's, there's just so much there um, that it's easy to just pick which one of these ways are you going to go about it? It's pretty interesting. Yeah, the um, <clears throat> I got asked a question by a client a couple weeks ago who runs a big company, and at the end of the lesson, he was like, "How do you know you're good at your job?" And I was like, "I've never been asked that before." I thought that was kind of a cool question, and I was like, "Well, the club knows I'm good at my job when my lesson book's full, right?" Some people might measure it that way, but I think personally, I would say I know I, I'm good at my job if my clients are inspired to go practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of going about that. Because I don't like if John came and took a lesson from me and then he came back next week and he said he didn't practice, I would say I wouldn't expect you to, you know, because that's a pressure that's on somebody that if I take lessons, you have to practice. And I don't necessarily believe that to be true. I think so many people don't actually understand what they're doing with the club. And if they just spend time learning about it and understanding how it's designed, that would actually make you better than going to hit in like 107 irons. 
you know, I sit there and I think about what is it that could, I, as you just mentioned that question, I now ponder the same thing. How do I know it's effective? I just let the results of the student um, tell me that, that it's effective. And that's how I would know I'm good at my job is because what's happening. You just mentioned it. You inspired them to go practice, right? right? The results of that, that in and of itself is a result of the lesson, right? They, they want to go. They, they're like, okay, I'm jacked up. Let's go do this. And then they'll stand out there and they might be on some other tighter schedule, but then you'll see them come out working on the thing that you worked on with them. And then, you know, that was an effective lesson because the student took it away and they came back and they did that. So there's some results of the action of, of that lesson right there. That's got to be probably one of the most rewarding, not just, Hey, did this lady win the club championship? Did this guy win his flight in the member guest or whatever? Yeah, those are great feelings, but to actually know that you're making someone you've inspired them to do something, that's probably got to be the, the most satisfying of all those things. Yeah, helping helping people find joy in their golf is probably one of the biggest reasons I do what I do. And that looks different for everybody. Like it might be winning the club championship or it might be playing three holes or it might be going to the driving range by themselves. You know, it's like what what brings what brings you joy related to golf? That's really cool. You inspired me to go out and buy a yardstick. I did. You know, they're not making those any longer. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still three feet. All of oh. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I fell for that. I knew that was Kevin. <laughs> I knew that was Kevin. But that oh, that is good. that is a wonderful uh, uh, putting training tool. It as is. you as you described to me in great detail. Because <laughs> it's just proof. Yeah, I'm going to start using it eventually. But, or not. but at least I went out and bought one. You know. Yeah. Sarah's shaking her head going, I can't believe I fell for that. You can't take the old disc jockey out of the guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the, the practice, the whole element of practice, inspiring somebody to want to, because it is so important to them to remember what you taught them, because no matter how good a teacher you are or how good a student you are, it sometimes has a tendency to lose its effectiveness over the course of time. So you really have to remember, you have to do what you need to do as a student to remember what you've been taught. Because a lot of times there are a few elements that you may forget and you screw it all up. Not that I've ever done that, Jeff, but of course not. I'm speaking of, you know, the average guy. That's good. John, we know that you're quite <laughs> not average. <laughs> I am wonderfully on average. You got that right completely. Um, there, there are some things that you want. There are some things that Jeff mentioned earlier about putter grips and, and it makes perfect sense. And, and Sarah and Jeff was going to discuss it and we get it all on video. So we'll tell you how to access and watch what it is you're talking about when we come right back, because we are about to do that. We are those weekend golf guys and you need to hang right where you are. 
paid for by government.com. Have you heard? A recent stash of 1904 Morgan silver dollar coins has been found. These gorgeous 1904 O silver dollar coins are as bright and shiny as the day they were struck. This is a key date for silver dollar collectors and only a limited quantity are available. Coin experts are calling this an amazing opportunity for anyone interested in silver coins. Just call government at 1-800-222-1975 and you are guaranteed a mint condition 1904 O Morgan silver dollar featuring the iconic O mint mark of the New Orleans Mint, the final year of production. But with limited quantity, you must call now. These 1904 O silver coins are still in uncirculated condition. That is 117 years of history you can hold in your hand. To learn more, call 1-800-222-1975. Call now and you'll receive a free American Coin Collector's Bonus Package, a $25 value free with every order. Call 1-800-222-1975 now to secure your 1904 O Morgan silver dollars before they sell out. That's 1-800-222-1975. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golf guys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us, facebook.com slash golf guys. And it is us, those weekend golf guys, John Ashton, Jeff Smith, our guest, Sarah Stone from Chevy Chase. Very nice club down there at which she is teaching. Meteorologically speaking, you able to work year-round outdoors or do you have some indoor facilities you need to use or how does it work for you out there? Yeah, we can teach year round. You just, you start to layer up about this time of year. (laughs) All you see are my eyes about like December, January, January. (laughs) It's just about the time where you start going, wow, that whole South Florida thing. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of felt a little better. Absolutely. Yeah. As I sit here in my studio, I'm completely indoors. The downside is no real live viewing of ball flight. But since I've got a, you know, the foresight quad, I, I, Really, I'm not worried about any inaccuracies. I know what things spot on. But 72 degrees in here all the time, Sarah. Layering up just because I like the look of it. Okay, so, so if you mentioned you mentioned earlier about um, when when you um, when you fit people for putters, that brings up a bunch a bunch of questions. One is, you know, the guy who just sat at that little raised dais at the back of Dick's Sporting Goods and and hit every putter that you actually might want to take some time and get fit for a putter, like you would other clubs and not just pick the one that looked good or felt good or you could afford or the one that you actually put the ball in the hole the first time you used. Yeah. Right. You know, there's length and there's weight and there's lie angle and there's the shape of the head that helps you aim or doesn't help you aim. Right. Sarah, when you fit somebody for putters, where do you go first? Are you looking at it as far as a length and lie angle thing? Are you looking at it in terms of, can this student even aim the face of this thing? Or do those things affect it? Where do you where do you head when you start fitting people for putters? So first, if they ask me, do you like my putter? Or I usually ask them if they like their putter, because if there's some sort of emotional attachment or they putt well with it, I certainly wouldn't fit them out of a current model. But if they're coming to me specifically for a putter fitting, I would say I start with what David Orr shared with me, which is the wrist to floor measurement. He calls it the Joseph Bank. And so I'll start right out of the gate with that. And then as far as the size of the putter, Head, um, the bigger the head, the harder it is to control the rate of rotation. So generally, if they're a newer player or a really, really poor putter with bad concepts, I'm going to put them in pretty much more of a blade-shaped, uh, narrower putter so they can get a little more feel of what, what's going on off the putter face instead of deadening it and then making it maybe a little bit more awkward. For If you whip the face open on a big putter, it's going to be really hard to close it as quickly as it might be with a blade is that's the stuff I've learned from, from David. So I usually go small putter head, 
length of their arms to wrist to floor. And then that would be the baseline start. Yeah. And a small grip. I don't like to put people into those real big super stroke grips. It, it's, it, I think what I've learned is it's, it makes it hard to control speed. Like it really slows down how fast the ball comes off the face. So I think when you put a big grip, not for everybody, but for some people, right. if you put a big grip in someone's hand and they're not putting well with it, they're, they're not really getting a good idea of how to control speed, ball speed. So yeah, a lot of those larger grips, you know, they're popular these days. The one that are extra wide, you know, two thumbs kind of a thing wide. The one they fill up the hand, you tend to lose the touch and the feel of how hard you're hitting the ball. So it's hard to control speed. So I like your notion of let's make sure that we get a, a, a grip size in there that matches your hands, essentially, so that way you can feel it. And I, and I think it's funny because I, I go to your, what you say, Jeff, too, and it frustrates some of my clients. It's like, it depends. Like, do, 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 do you like the big grip for me? I'm like, it depends. Like, do you have a problem with speed control? And they're like, well, no, I just want a yes or no answer. I'm like, well, let's talk about what you're struggling with before we start changing things, you know? And a lot of what you see, I think in putters, at least in my opinion, is a lot of people buying things to compensate for concepts or motion instead of actually learning how to move the putter the way it's been designed to be moved with the law of maybe some physics. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on, Sarah. Stop looking at those facts. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons right there, what you just said, is people manipulate stuff. Something about the putter doesn't let them move in an easy, natural manner. So I start with looking at it going, can you even aim the face of this thing when you look down, right? Maybe it's too long, right? Going with the fitting of the length and the lie angle. I have an old ping putter fitter that you can change the lie angle and then you can change the length of it up and down. And so I can do that and I get that to fit. And then all of a sudden, because it's a blade putter, I I ask him, okay, is this putter face easy to aim? And then I'll... I'll tell them where it where it is. Then I've got a little laser that I put on the face and show them where it is. And then if I'll put a different one in their hand and, and a, be a bigger mallet and find out which view they have. Sometimes they have a line. Sometimes they have a dot. Sometimes they have two balls. Sometimes they have those fangs on the back. Something is going to help that person aim that putter head best. And when I get to that and I get the length and the lie right, then I start going after the grip. Like you had mentioned you know, if you get it to be too big, there's also a too small. If you all looked at your hands and you just said, okay, what's this hand look like? Do I have long skinny fingers? Um, is it going to engulf the grip? Is it going to, do I need a little larger one to fill that up just a little? Okay. Some people have short stubby fingers. I'm probably going smaller, but I'm probably going bigger with the people who have long skinny fingers and to fill it up because there's got to be that spot in there from a size perspective that that player still has feel and touch their fingers don't wrap around the grip so much that they could accidentally twist the shaft. So a lot of times I'll also orient the grip of the putter. Now this is something that not a lot of people are doing. I'll look at how their arm naturally hangs down. Sarah, let's say you're, you know, your left hand, your lead hand, cause you're a right-handed player, how it naturally hangs down. And if you're looking down there and if you just dropped your arm and you could look down and you saw, let's say two knuckles, right? The first two knuckles were obvious to you. And then if I just oriented the flat spot in your grip to match where that hand is, and so I would either put the flat spot in the palm of your left hand, so I would turn the the flat spot into your hand so you could do it that way, or I would turn it away from your hand so the the crease on the the grip 
would fit in the lifeline of the palm of your hand as it naturally did. And then I would orient the club face to be square at that point. I'd effectively be turning the grip on the putter so that it matched your arm. Now your arm, when you were moving through, wouldn't be twisting. It would be just flowing in the natural arc. It wouldn't be trying to reorient itself to its natural from the shoulder to the elbow to the wrist. All that wouldn't be changing. I want to make sure that people aren't twisting their putter face. So I got this grip that's got this big reminder ridge on it. And what I'll do is I'll have it fit in the in their hand so they would grip it. So the thumb would be on one side of the ridge and the, the fingers would be on the other side of the ridge and it would fit in the lifeline. And then however the arm hangs down, I would match it to that and then square up the club face and put it on like that. Next thing you know, I haven't let the person twist the putter face. It's just not going to change. And now all of a sudden they can start balls online and they look at me like that's the easiest thing I've ever felt. So in fitting putters, I'm fitting a grip too. And sometimes I, I, I go with grips that are just completely round. They make them, they're, you know, not really tapered. I like those too, because then the player can put their hands on in a more natural arm hang kind of way. And next thing you know, there isn't a whole lot of face twist, which means there's not a whole lot of missing and there's not a whole lot of reactionary movement. A player does something and they react to what they just saw. And then they try something different. Next thing yeah. you know, they're not even making any sort of natural movement at all. They're just holding on and making compensation stuff. I try to take that away. Yeah, I, I putted for a few years um, in 2010, probably to 12, no, probably six to eight with a round grip and a pretty flat fly eagle and just arced it a lot. And it worked, it worked fairly well. I mean, I've played around with different, different putt stuff. Yeah. Cause that's what we do as golfers, right? We play around, we test things. We're <laughs> by nature, we're experimenters. Well, you know, the we average golfer has what, about six to eight putters just sitting in the corner of their garage. You know, the ones yeah. they bought because they looked cool, but they never could make work right. Yeah. So they blamed it on the putter and went to try to find one that did work right. Instead of <laughs> trying to find out how to putt with it. John, I would definitely agree. I think putting lessons, hardly anybody takes them. They would just rather just go buy a different tool and be like, this is it. This has got to be the one. This will be the one that I make everything with. So I would say that's one thing that's been cool about like what Jeff's talking about changing and talking about the grip, something people never thought of. David Orr's brought some life back into putting, making it a lot more fun to teach and coach. It used to be boring. John, if I told you that putting was a big part of being better and you're like, I have to go spend three hours a day on a putting green, you'd be like, I don't want to do that. I want to go hit drivers for two hours. (laughs) I don't know, but the sound of the ball hitting the hole is like the best sound in golf. I, I I do what needs to be done to hear that a lot more often. That's good. You've been told you have to do it. No one tells you how to do it right. or how to be creative about doing it. And then you're like, you go for 10 minutes and you're like, all right, what else can I do? So I think like what Jeff's talking about is a pretty neat perspective of playing around with your grip. Maybe that changes how you deliver the putter at impact and produces less twist. Sarah said something earlier that I think is a big thing. She asked the player, do they like their putter? John, I've known you for a while. I know that you like a certain putter. Mm-hmm. And yet it's not in the bag because <laughs> you got sponsored by somebody else and you put that in the bag. But yet that old spaceship thing that you had, yeah, you like that putter. You know why you like that putter? Because I used you to. putts with it. I made put, you, I said exactly. There's a reason <laughs> that you like that old piece of shoe thing. <laughs> it, a, it, it didn't look all that great, but it doesn't matter. There's a reason, there's a physical setup of that putter that goes 
well with how you do things. Mm -hmm. And then it gives you that I like my putter, which means I feel confident in my putting, which means you trust yourself and all those demons go away. John, get out that putter again. (laughs) Put it in the bag. You you put my new grip on for me? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, that two thumb grip you got, I want you to put it in the mail and send it to me because I got somebody I'm going to use that thing with. A seriously right-hand dominant push putter. They really got a good piston action with their right hand and arm and shoulder. And what I'm going to do with that two thumb grip is I'm going to take that two thumb grip and I'm going to put the flat spot where the palm of the right hand naturally would be. Their hand is basically a little bit more on the underside of the grip. And I'm going to make that flat spot on the underside of that grip so they won't twist the putter. But they have a beautiful action and it is very repetitive and they have speed control with that. So, John, I want you to send me that grip so I can put that on this guy's putter. Well, when I come so, up to get up to get you to regrip all my clubs, I'll bring it with me. Okay. <laughs> so, so I would say something that I'm, I think the listeners would start to pick up on is you're, we're continually talking about gripping the putter similar to how we grip our, our golf clubs. And Absolutely. our golf clubs move on an arc, right, Jeff? That's right. So when we start thinking about maybe the idea that the putter doesn't move in a straight line, but maybe... We move the putter on a very small slight arc, maybe even hard to see by the naked eye for some people, but a concept that maybe people want to start to think about. <laughs> Just you say it. Say out loud. <laughs> You're the second teacher on this program to poo-poo the notion of something moving in a straight line back and forth. <laughs> I'm just saying, I you know, it's something to consider. Maybe start to think that it's a smaller version of the arc, and you might not be seeing what you think you're seeing when you see it moving in a straight line or perceived straight line. There she goes, messing with you just before she leaves for her lesson. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there, I'm going to leave you with this and confuse the hell out of you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. She knows what she's doing. Oh, yes, she does. She just just dropped another truth bomb on you, John. (laughs) (laughs) All right. She's got to go. She's got just a few minutes before somebody else gets the the wisdom of Sarah Stone. So, uh, Sarah, I love it. Thanks for coming on our show. Oh, gosh, you guys, I love coming out and hanging hanging with you guys. I really appreciate it. All right, Sarah. Have a great time. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Would you like to get all this stuff a couple days early and totally commercial free? We can make that happen. Patreon.com slash golf guys. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash golf guys. If you love finding those hidden gems for a golf getaway, we have your next great discovery, French Lick Resort. Their Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses have been ranked number one and two in Indiana for 11 years in a row by Golf Week. Plus, you can hit the casino for the sports book and live dealer table games. There is a ton of ways to play here. Go to FrenchLick.com to get started on a getaway of your own. Think French Lick for your next road trip. 
Must be 21 to enter casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-568-2790. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems. And if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about a hundred to two hundred dollars per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new one million dollar policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. Call Term Provider at 800-568-2790. That's 800-568-2790. For a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with, call Big Lou at 800-568-2790. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Generic Sildenafil allows you to save up to $650 on Viagra. Why pay name brand prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get the same results for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 50 generic Sildenafil pills for just $99. Call 800-705-4051. That's 800-705-4051. Again, 800-705-4051. And uh, we are those weekend golf guys. A few moments together here yet. So, Jeff, basically the idea that if you get one of these fancy schmancy putter grips, which are flat on one side, the flat part does not necessarily have to be or should be on the top. Nope, it does not have to be that way at all, folks. Traditionally speaking, manufacturers have put it on there to be the flat spot, to be a 90 degree angle to the face of the putter. But that's not how our arms are oriented which means there's going to be some fighting of our body to keep that putter face square to its arc. And it's going to have a hard time because we're going to open and close that thing. And next thing you know, we're a bag of manipulations just to solve that problem. Right. I'd rather not create the problem. I'd rather put it on there in a way that allows our arms to hang naturally, hold it, and move without trying to manipulate anything just to keep the face online. Because it's so hard to, to aim most putters to begin. You have to learn how to aim. And all, all the putters, like, like you were mentioning earlier, whether it's be the two balls or the, you know, the mark on the, on the putter head that lines up with the mark on the shaft or however it is you need to try to make sure that the, the putter head is square and, and you're doing it aiming correctly doesn't matter you can spend all that time learn how to aim correctly but if you're going to open or close the face of the putter during the stroke it doesn't matter how well you're aimed yeah i'm really trying to make sure that the putter face is not a big twister because if it is we're really going to have a hard time because the face angle at the moment it touches the ball is the big daddy in putting right when you're putting inside of a few feet so many people are missing short putts because they can't start their ball online. And the variability in the face angle is the biggest culprit going. And that is the, uh, the voila moment when yes. you, when you realize that there are things you can do. Um, maybe, maybe it isn't you. 
<laughs> it's, it's not me. Right, it's maybe my butter. You're trying to accommodate for your equipment, right? <laughs> you can you can check uh, that and other little tidbits of intelligent information at uh, thoseweekendgolfguys.com, jeffsmithgolfinstruction.com. On Instagram, it is jeffsmithgolfinstruction. I would be John Dot the Golf Guy. And of course, you can get through on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash golf guys. We're here every week. Thoseweekendgolfguys.com. If you miss a show, you can catch up there. Otherwise, hey, get the grip right and then go play some golf. <laughs>